I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to The Trader, a traitor's podcast. My name's Matthew and I'm a writer, reality competition TV fanatic and 100% faithful. Promise. The Trader is a deep dive into each episode of, quite frankly, the most tense and exciting TV show around, The Traitors. This season of the podcast is centred on The Traitors UK, now streaming on BBC iPlayer and Peacock. On this episode, not only will I be dissecting episode 5 of The Traitors UK, but I'll also be talking to one of the two people, yes, two, who was banished in this episode. First, a quick update on the latest Traitors info and TT news. First, a piece of news I am loath to share, but feel duty-bound to. UK and Channel Island residents, you could be the owner of a legitimate traitor's cloak. The BBC are running a tele-treasure giveaway as part of this year's comic relief celebrations. Various pieces of TV memorabilia are being offered to entrants, including one of Graham Norton's lush jackets, a villanelle outfit from Killing Eve, and one of the traitor's cloaks from our favourite show. The giveaway is free to enter, although you can only enter once, sadly, and you have to be over 18. The competition closes on the 18th of March, and I think if you were to win, you have a moral obligation to donate the cloak to me. I'll post a link to the giveaway in the show notes on your podcast player. A Traitors US update. Now that the Traitors US reunion episode has aired in the States, a winner of the series, no spoilers at all, has appeared on Andy Cohen's Watch What Happens Live, just as host Alan Cumming did last week. 
In the interview, this winner was asked about their post-reunion thoughts on other players, including the Traitor's performances, which includes previous guest on The Traitor, Christian De La Tour, and who they thought was the saltiest contestant at the reunion. I'll put a link to the clip in the show notes, so if you're a Traitor's US fan and you've seen the finale episode, you should check that out. Finally, some good news following on from that for UK people. The Radio Times has confirmed that the Traitor's US reunion episode will air here in the UK and pretty soon. The episode, which reunites the Traitor's US cast, will be available on BBC iPlayer from Saturday the 4th of March and will air on BBC Three on Sunday the 5th of March. Perfect timing for my upcoming interview with US contestant Angelica Conti. Check out the reunion episode and then send me your questions for Angelica ASAP. It's now time for a deep dive into episode 5 of The Traitors UK, after episode 4 left us hanging on a nail-biting cliffhanger. Let's find out who is about to be the third banished player. Episode 5 begins at the round table at the most crucial moment imaginable. The votes are tied between Alex and Ivan, and Amanda has the deciding vote. Now, Amanda sort of misleads us a bit here. She says, Alex, you've lied, and that's morally wrong. But, she turns over her slate, I've gone with Ivan. Detective Maddie then says, oh, Ivan, because she seems like she knows that he's a faithful, she knows what's about to go down. Ivan then has to stand in the circle of truth and gives the best goodbye speech ever. He is a writer after all. He says, Tom, this was your big flourish and here's the prestige. That was not my card. I'm a faithful. Because, you know, Tom's a magician, obviously. Hannah is absolutely furious with everybody. They all can't believe what they've just done. They've got rid of another faithful third time in a row. Uh, Hannah's really mad that Tom essentially manipulated most of the voters. Maddie even says to him, maybe you can't read people as well as you think, which made me laugh right in that moment. Although I think Tom was probably blinded by his need to protect Alex, which I guess is admirable in some ways, but he completely got it wrong. Poor Ivan. Claudia then reminds John and Alex that one of them will be murdered tonight. So the tension is not even over yet for all of the players. So we leave the round table. We start to hear some discussions around the house. Again, Hannah is absolutely furious that Tom swayed everybody. Matt says to Alex, if John gets murdered, you're a traitor. Because they're they're still assuming that one of the three people who was put on trial is a traitor. Which they're obviously completely wrong about. And this suddenly makes me realise that Tom getting everyone to vote for Ivan was probably a really bad idea for him because it increased his girlfriend's chance of being murdered from 33% to 50%. One of the three people on trial was going to be murdered that night, either Ivan or John or Alex, and Tom just helped get rid of Ivan. So there were only two people to choose from for murder. I, I wonder how much he really thought about this. That night, we go back to Traitor's Tower. So the decision has to be made. Is it going to be Alex or John murdered tonight? Amanda begins by saying that Alex has to go, they need to break up the couple, they need to break up Alex and Tom. 
Wilf and Alyssa, though, say, well, if they kill John, it will make everybody suspect Alex and thereby Tom even more. Although Amanda really isn't convinced by this, and we leave that on a little bit of a mini cliffhanger, and we go to breakfast the next morning. Amanda and Alyssa are in first, so they've got a chance as traitors to have an open chat before anybody else arrives. Alyssa says she really feels like the guilt is getting to her at this point, and Amanda agrees. Their rivals are a bit different today because... We know that it's going to be John or Alex who are murdered, so everybody arriving in little groups, it's not really that much of a surprise. We're just waiting for that last person immediately. Tom is obviously very nervous because there's a possibility, a 50% chance here that Alex ain't coming back. And they're all still convinced that one of the three people on trial was a traitor. And it's at this point, it becomes even clearer, this was a genius move of the traitors, actually, to not put one of themselves up, even though Wilf kind of wanted to do it. The decision to just put up three faithfuls has worked out perfectly. It's made everyone incredibly suspicious of the faithfuls. So it's really worked out in the traitors' favour. They did a good job here. Alex then finally walks through the door. The others all realise, therefore, John is murdered, and therefore John was a faithful. We have a little flashback back to Traitor's Tower and we see them all agreeing actually killing John would be the best idea because it'll put eyes on Alex and away from then. We then cut to John and his sort of murder interview when he's given his envelope and he's given the news that he's been murdered. He's quite clearly fuming and trying not to show it. He also says, I was popular, people liked me. Um, okay, I was I was surprised by this. I'm just going to say it. That's not the impression I got. But you know, we see a very edited version of events, so what do we know? Amanda then at breakfast stands and raises a glass to John. I've just written down in my note here, lol. No one, it seems like no one looks at Amanda and thinks, that's weird, why is she doing that? Amanda's so confident that she seems to get away with things like this and everybody just inherently trusts her. Alex also stands at the top of the table and gives this weird speech, asserting that she is not the traitor. And she isn't a traitor, but she's making herself look like she is, I think. Claudia then arrives in another fabulous outfit. She tells them that in their mission today, she will see them in church. At which point Wilf says, I've sinned a bit too much, I might burn. And I kind of thought, easy Wilf, you know, you don't want to give away too much about what you've been sinning about. You know, that's a little, that's a little clue for people that you're a traitor. After breakfast, there are more discussions round about the house, and all of the discussions are still very much focused on Tom and Alex. But Hannah does then pick out Alyssa, and she says she thinks Alyssa's a bit too quiet, she didn't like her reason for voting last night. Last night, Alyssa voted for Hannah, and claimed that she sort of couldn't really think of anyone else. So Hannah's a bit suspicious about this. Alex then also says she thinks it's Alyssa too. And during these conversations, Wilf is present. So Wilf's getting to hear what the other faithfuls are thinking. He's getting a bit of inside information here. He's really at an advantage. We then move on to the mission. So it's this mission in the church. And the church is full of people in really creepy gold masks. It is quite spooky. Other than that quite cool visual element, I hate this mission. I... I... I know I say this every episode, I'm sorry. But what? I, I, it's kind of a pointless 
It's the mechanisms of the game. Some mechanisms of the game, I think, are a bit pointless. They're in teams again. I don't know why they put them in teams in missions. They have to run down an aisle just to go and sit in a confessional box and listen to Claudia say some numbers and then run back with the number that Claudia just said out loud to them. It's a bit silly. There's no skill involved there other than running. Solving the riddle in the big book at the front of the church is kind of the only proper game element. I'll give it that. I, I like that they they have to read a riddle and the riddle leads them to an object which someone in the room is wearing. So I, I like that problem-solving element to it, that logic side of it. In this mission, the shield is also introduced and we find out that Okay, I'm going to go back on what I just said. I said there was no point in there being teams. I guess there is a point in there being teams. Because whichever team wins this mission will have the chance to enter the armory later on and win a shield, which will protect them from murder, not banishment. So, okay. Okay, I take it back. Being in teams, it does have a reason. In the first round of this mission, Theo is nominated to be one of the people who runs to the confessional box and listens to Claudia. He immediately forgets which line in the book he's supposed to look up, has to run back to Claudia, and then says, you're joking, babe. This really made me laugh. We do a few rounds of this kind of pointless game, and the winning team is Theo, Amanda, Hannah, Alex, Wilf, and Tom, which means one of them later will be winning a shield, which protects them from murder. Before they leave the church, though, Claudia thanks the congregation of these masked figures and then two of them stand up. They remove their masks and it's Amos and Kieran. They're back in the game. We thought that they'd been banished instantly in the first episode in a really cruel, amazing way. But they're back. I mean, on one hand, I'm happy for them. It's nice that they didn't really get kicked out of the game. On the other hand, it sort of diminishes how cool and exciting that was in the first episode and how brutal it was. So now it feels like, oh, it wasn't really that brutal at all. So, you know, I'm on the fence about this one. Anyway, Amos and Kieran are back and there's applause and there's confusion. I'd, I'd possibly be a bit annoyed if I was in the game and, you know, these two people came back having missed a couple of round tables and now I've got to contend with them again. And Wilf says as much in his interview. Andrea, though... Andrea is buzzing because Amos, Amos was her train bestie when they arrived. So it's actually very sweet to see them have a little hug. Um, so it's very cute. At the end of the mission, they have also added to the prize fund and the total is now £47,700. We then head back towards the castle and in the jeep, Amos speaks to the others he's with and says... If you haven't found any traitors yet, they're not going to add more in. I'm a faithful. Because he also has to convince them that he has come back as a faithful. The audience at home is shown that Amos and Kieran are faithfuls. They're returning to the game as faithfuls. They're not traitors. But the other players don't know that. It's quite smart of Amos to theorise like this and to come at it from that angle. That if there are no, no traitors have been banished yet, they're probably not going to add in another one. I, that makes sense. Although it would also be very smart of the producers to not do that and to put in another traitor. Alyssa tells Amos in the jeep very openly that she's quite sus about Tom, who is sitting right beside her. Of course, she's faking it. She's a traitor. She's just trying to shift attention off of herself because she knows that Tom kind of suspects her. Tom also explains 
the background. He explains that him and Alex are a couple, and he explains that the Ivan situation, that he basically engineered Ivan's exit from the game. On the other hand, Kieran's in his Jeep. He uses our favourite phrase. He tells everybody he is a 100% faithful. And he says he thinks that Alex is totally different from when he first met her when they arrived. That's that's a very quick assumption. I mean, he's he's been with her for maybe half an hour and he reckons that she's behaving differently. It's also a very wrong assumption because she's not a traitor. And she probably is behaving differently because now she can openly say that Tom's her boyfriend, I guess. After this, we're back at the castle and it's time for the armory, this new element in the game. Claudia calls the winning team and she reveals the best thing ever, a secret bookcase door. My dream is to have a secret bookcase door in my house. One day it will happen. I'm manifesting it here and now. Tom then, because he's a magician and he's smart, he thinks of these things, Tom comes up with this great plan that they shouldn't tell anybody who wins the shield. Whoever wins it should keep it to themselves. And everybody on this winning team who's getting the chance to go into the armory should not reveal if they didn't get the shield. Because then that kind of protects them all. If nobody knows who got the shield, the traitors won't know whether they can attempt to murder those people at night. Unless, of course, it's a traitor who wins the shield or doesn't win the shield. They'll they'll know a little bit there. Wilf, of course, acts like this is the best idea ever, obviously realising inside that this is the worst idea ever for the traitors. They go into the armory one by one. No one is successful until Tom, the last person in, finds the shield. And he realises that he just needs to survive the round table and then he'll definitely make it through the night because he can't be murdered. At least for one day. We then see some more discussions before the round table... Amos is figuring things out, he's getting to know the lay of the land, and he's finding out who is on everybody's trader. Amanda's really good at pretending to be enthusiastic about the Alex and Tom situation, because I think being too quiet is probably not an effective thing to do as a traitor. Yeah, I'd probably have to act as much like an enthusiastic faithful as you can, I guess. However... In saying that, Ivan just got banished for being too outspoken and clever, and he was a faithful. So maybe that theory makes no sense whatsoever. So here we go, round table for tonight. There's a shot of Maddie sitting down at the round table, which makes me realise we've barely seen or heard a thing from her in this episode. Which is strange, because, you know, she's quite a big character in the game. Hannah then starts off discussions and explains to everyone what her team have decided to do with regards to the armory and the shield. She explains, we've decided as a team we're not going to tell who won the shield, so you're not going to know which one of us is safe from murder. Tom then apologises to everybody for getting things wrong last time. He apologises for banishing Ivan. But he claims that he now has a traitor on side. Is he talking about Alyssa? The camera cuts straight to Alyssa, implying that probably is who he's referring to. The thing is, He's not really got Alyssa on side at all, does he? Because Alyssa very openly earlier accused him of maybe being a traitor. And even if she didn't do that, and Tom thinks that Alyssa is a traitor, how on earth is she on his side? This makes no sense. The traitors are on no one's side but their own. Maddie then, Detective Maddie finally speaks. And she says to Tom, I feel like you need to stop manipulating people, I'm not going to lie. And you know, 
she's probably right. Matt then says to Tom again, look, you and Alex lied to us. That proves that you're pretty good at lying and that you got away with it. I still don't know if I trust you. Tom says, I understand that is something to go on. And then Andrea says, that's all we have to go on. Cut to Detective Maddie, who <laughs> is saying, actually, no. And goes straight back to her Wilf and Aaron theory that she is fixated on, which must be incredibly frustrating for everybody else there. But for us as an audience, is absolute magic and TV gold. Alex then says, Alyssa, I do think it's you. Which is a bit of a shock. We heard her talking about Alyssa earlier. We didn't know she was going to bring it up at the round table. And Alex says that if she was a traitor, she'd play it like Alyssa. She'd be really quiet. She'd only speak when she was spoken to. She then turns on Ryan and says the same thing about him. He's too quiet. He blends into the background too much. Faye is next to speak. Faye says that she suddenly doesn't doubt Alex anymore. I'm not really sure why. But she does doubt Tom. And she actually thinks the fact that he is a magician means he's very good at deception and manipulation, which is right. In the middle of this lively discussion, Claudia then interrupts, tells him, time up, time to vote. I think the voting then in this round is probably the most split we've seen so far in the series. Although there is a clear winner, if we can use that term, there are five different people who receive votes, which is quite unusual. Alyssa receives one vote. Will receives one vote from Maddie, of course. Alex receives four. Ryan receives one from Alex. And Tom receives seven votes. So he's had it. My favourite bit of voting, again, was Andrea and another brilliantly savage line. Andrea turns over her slate and says, Tom, I've no idea if you are, but you made a monumental fuck up yesterday. <laughs> This coming from Angel Andrea just makes the episode for me and I laughed for about five minutes. Tom then, of course, has to stand up. He has to reveal his status. He is a faithful. Alex is obviously very upset. That's her boyfriend. She has to just watch him leave and she's not going to see him now for who knows how long. Meryl then very quickly says, I knew it. Detective Maddie straight on the case and says, whoa, that's a bit dodgy. And conflict starts to rise between the two of them. They start bickering back and forth. We've had four faithfuls banished in a row. It's no wonder everybody's tempers are a little bit frayed. Wilf says then something really strange. He says, Tom would have been the best chance to find a traitor and Faye agrees with this. Huh? What? Tom would have been the best chance to find a traitor? Have they already forgotten last week? Tom got everyone to vote out Ivan, who was not a traitor. What are they talking about? After this, they leave the round table. There are some last minute discussions before time for bed. Hannah, it's, it's very nice actually. And she goes to comfort Alex because obviously Alex is really upset about Tom. Hannah tells Alex, I, I don't doubt you anymore. I mean, I, get, I don't really know why. I don't know why she's changed her, her mind so suddenly. But it's nice that she's being kind to Alex, right? She's putting the game aside for a minute and she sees somebody upset. So I like that. Amos says he is shocked at how relations have deteriorated so quickly since he left, which in reality was probably only three or four days ago. And we're not even halfway through the series and he can't believe how much tension there is between everybody. Andrea, in her interview, another amazing line. This is all, this episode is actually secretly Andrea's magical episode. Andrea says, people are getting very nervous and very shaky. I don't want to go home, but I'm not going to shit a brick over it. 
and just sort of like flippantly casually throws out this line again I laughed for approximately five minutes by the way where are all the Andrea memes online if I knew how to make a meme or a gif without too much effort I would do it and I would make all of them just about Andrea for the end of the episode we head to Traitor's Tower for the night Wilf and Amanda tell Alyssa that they think she defended herself quite well at the round table when her name was brought up by Alex and they then start to talk about the shield that the traitors have won and they realise they they then start to talk about the shield that they know someone has won and they realise they can't go for someone in that team in the shield winning team they can't take a gamble on somebody it wouldn't be very wise of them it might give the impression that either they're very reckless and they probably don't want to give the impression that they're reckless, they want to give the impression that they're very calculated and careful, or it would give the impression that they've got some inside information and that's also not going to look too good. They don't want to highlight who they could possibly be. So they decide, do you know what, we're just going to have to pick someone who was not on that team. Their options are Faye, Andrea and Matt. For Faye, they think she's dangerous they don't really explain why they think she's dangerous other than that maybe she's quite charismatic and strong and she's a bit of a natural leader and she's probably quite good at convincing people to go a certain way but they also realize that Faye is on Alyssa and Amanda's side and they get on really well with her so it's probably not a good idea to get rid of uh, an, an ally who doesn't know they're an ally their reasons for Andrea are that she's also a threat in some way probably because you know, people look up to her, she's quite admirable, but Wilf reckons actually Andrea's probably very easily swayed, and we've seen that at round tables, that she tends to vote with not too much conviction. She Every time she turns over her slate, it feels like she's picked a name for a very flimsy reason, and actually she's got no idea who the traitors are. She said that tonight. Wilf also acknowledges that Andrea will never be banished, Everyone loves her so much, obviously, you know, they're only human. They're never going to accuse her of being a traitor and try and banish her. So at some point, the traitors will have to murder her. That's the only way they're going to get rid of Andrea. They also think she will build a strong relationship with Amos because they're trained besties. And it's not good in the game to have people who are really close and get on well and work well together. The traitors don't want that. They want fractions and they want people to be in conflict with one another. Matt is their third option and they think that actually Matt is probably a bit smarter than everybody seems to think. They think actually Matt is quite observant at times and that might not be good for them because he might pick up on who they are. And the episode ends with these possibilities. It's either going to be Faye who's murdered or Andrea or Matt. There was so much going on in episode 5 with two banishments. I can't possibly continue to talk about it on my own. It's time to introduce my very special guest who knows all about what happened in episode 5. Let's meet them. Heads up for this interview, there is a spoiler alert for the Australian traitors. We talk about a fairly small detail of the series, but if you haven't seen the Australian traitors and you want to see it at some point... When you hear this sound, you might want to skip ahead 10 or 15 seconds.
My special guest for this episode of The Trader is author, games expert, and gone too soon faithful Ivan Britt. Ivan, wow. welcome to The Trader. How you doing? Thanks. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, it breaks my heart when someone says gone too soon, because I mean, I think everyone was gone too soon, wasn't there? There was nobody horrible in the whole show. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would have loved to stay there and do, and you know, spend some more time in that castle. Yeah, I bet. Now, I'm guessing you are probably very busy these days. Previously, I've interviewed some US traders in Pennsylvania and LA. When I spoke to your castmate, Nikki, a couple of episodes ago, she looked like she was comfy in bed in South London. Where do we find you right now? <laughs> I'm on um, the south coast of Cornwall. Um, this is this is where I live and it's it's beautiful. It's, it's so far out of the sticks. Um, it's just gorgeous. Uh, I live just like about 10 steps away from the cliffs so um whenever anything gets a bit too much i can just uh you know chuck on a coat and go and walk along the cliff path which is just i guess it's my happy place um it's a it's a wonderful place to be and it's a long way from the kind of um busy overwhelmingness that is that is london so um yeah it's a beautiful place to be oh sounds lovely now, on this episode of the pod, I've just finished a deep dive into episode five of The Traitors, which was obviously a biggie for you. <laughs> now, before I ask you all about that episode and your time on the show, I'm going to introduce you to The Trader Traitor. Now, normally, I'm not sure if guests really want to play a game, but I reckon if there's anyone who I think would be up for it, it's got to be you. <laughs> just please! <laughs> <laughs> So the trader traitor. Our goal throughout the episode from here on in is to tell one lie to one another. The lie has to be a fabrication or a made-up fact. It can't be a fake opinion. Like saying you hate Aaron from the traitors when actually you love Aaron because you're a human being and no one could hate Aaron. <laughs> At the end of the episode, we each then will put our traitor hunting skills to the test and decide what we thought the other person's lie was. Does that sound good, Ivan? Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. Excellent. Now, Ivan, you are you're a board games expert. You've written about board games. You have two books about games. Board games. No, wait, I've said that wrong. It has no, to be great. board was... games. Oh, that was even better. <laughs> wait, do you know what? Even I don't have the confidence to actually pronounce that, that book as it's supposed to be pronounced. So thank you for doing it justice. That's great. You also have The Floor is Lava. Now, yeah. I have to ask... What is your favourite board game and what is your favourite non-board game apart from The Traitors? Oh, good question. Um, in terms of board games, I mean, I really like, surprise, surprise, I really like social deduction games. Yes. Um, but I don't know if they can be counted as board games. But um, things like, uh, you know, Secret Hitler uh, and Werewolf, those kinds of games, obviously just i love i adore in terms of actual like fully fledged board games i really love carcassonne i've had lots and lots of history um playing carcassonne with friends it's you can play it one player you can play it two three four player in each different kind of combination it changes itself it's simple it's lovely you end up building a little map together um it can be very strategic very mathematical or it can be totally random chaotic so I recommend if you haven't already played. I mean, everyone's played Carcassonne, right? But yes. It's it's a lovely game. Non-board games, again, anything social deduction. But I'm going to have to put in a a good word for my my good old friend Dungeons and Dragons here. Um, a lot of my career uh, now is um, is taken running D and D. So it'd be weird if I didn't say this one. Um, it may not be the best tabletop 
RPG. It may not even be in the top 50% of tabletop RPGs, but it's certainly the one that's the my I found the most easy to bring new players into the into the world of of role playing games. Yeah. And so for that reason I I use it a lot, maybe more than I should because Wizards of the Coast are not the best publisher in terms of um you know encouraging their community to create content. Um they're a bit of a gatekeeping company, unfortunately, but the the tool of Dungeons and Dragons is incredible because you can bring a table together of almost anyone in the world and they'll have gone, oh, it's that Stranger Things one, right? With the dice and, and the wearing funny hats. And you go, well, sort of, let's have a go. And, and, <laughs> and then within three hours, they're kind of, um, you know, full role-playing, loving it, learning how to cast all their spells and, and generally getting fully immersed. So it's, yeah, it's it's a, it's a special, special thing. And, and the best thing about it is an improv machine, right? Yeah. So you can just, as long as everyone knows what they're doing and trusts you to run the game properly, it just generates incredible situations, incredibly incredible um, moments for everyone at the table. Yeah, good game. Uh, I'm a bit of an amateur at D and D, but I, I do I do love it and love Carcassonne. That's a favourite of mine. Okay. Now, will you be playing the Traitors board game when it comes out, or will that be too triggering? <laughs> already played the traitors card game um and yeah when the board game board game comes out I'll, I'll definitely give it a play i think the thing about it is you don't need a board to play the traitors so the question for me is going to be what value does it add right all you need to play werewolf is people mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of this game and i think it's what made the tv show so sort of um addictive as well is that there's not that many gimmicks it's just i mean claudia winkleman is like an excellent gimmick but apart from mm-hmm. that it's pretty much just the game that we all already know so sure the board game allowed a couple of bits of interesting maybe it'll add some extra content but if it shies away from the actual game mechanics of the traitors it'll be disappointing it needs to fully fully lean into Secret role. Everyone's working out what it is. If you do it, you win. If you don't, they win. Done. Yeah. Yeah, I've wondered as well how it will differ from the card game. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going to be introduced. All I've seen in the preview is it contains a real round table, right? Which, you know, that's cool. That's <laughs> great. Like, I love a round table. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like they could go too high tech. Um, and, and you know, like batteries not included kind of thing where you stick it in and it's got all the lights and things. But I really hope it's just very, very simple. Basically, all the clobber you need. Mm-hmm. A shield, some slates, some chalk, the rules. Um, you know, a wind-up Claudia, maybe. Yeah, a Claudia figurine in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> a clockwork Claudia just kind of <laughs> circling behind you. <laughs> now, I have a question from Twitter. This is from a user called Divarazis. I think Divarazis is a play on Divarators, the the Dutch traitors, yeah. I, I think. Uh, Divarazis asks, what inspired you to take part in the traitors in particular? You know, I, I think they mean as opposed to any other TV show or reality show. What is it about the traitors that a- appeal to you? I had previously um, applied uh, to... Um, uh, the circle and part of the reason why I thought that was quite an interesting show to apply to was the playing a role part of it but I felt comfortable doing that because with a screen and time to write your responses um, you could quite easily 
um, you know, as as a fiction writer, I could quite easily kind of fictify, if that's a word, fictionize. What's the word? Make up um, a, a pretend character and stay in role. Uh, and again, with my with my dungeon mastering, I'm I'm quite happy sort of playing the role of a person. But also, I I have so many tells when I lie. I'm I'm a really bad liar. So I think like it was interesting applying to the traitors because I never. In a single, for a single second in the application process, wanted to be a traitor. The reason why I applied is because I wanted to be a faithful. And this was nothing to do with, you know, like how much screen time I'd get or like my portrayal or wanting to appear honest. This was simply because I love playing this game, especially as a faithful. I find it so interesting looking for people's, um, you know, whether they hold eye contact with you for too long or not long enough, figuring out their voting record, doing the maths on who they voted for and that kind of thing. Those are the kinds of like deductive processes that I just absolutely adore. Um, and I suppose the other thing was that I I run these kinds of games a lot. Like at the time when I applied, I was running games of Werewolf weekly in a youth centre in Tower Hamlets. Um, I run them online for the company I work for. I run them in corporate environments. I run them with my friends. I'm, you know, so I always get to run them, but never play them. So I thought, you know, it, what, what, what better opportunity to actually like properly play a really in-depth version of the game than on the telly? In a way, I actually think that experience didn't help, probably hindered, because I, it, what, what happened when we got there was it all became very real. And I think a lot of strategy and tactics went out the window, at least for the faithfuls who didn't have the same power to really strategize over... The, the kind of the booming chaos. Yeah. Um, so I think for a lot of the faithfuls, uh, many of whom are ge- like full-fledged geniuses. I mean, you've only got to look as far as um, Imran, Ryan, Alyssa and Andrea to realise you've got some proper like 170 IQ people in there. And I don't think any of them got to stick to their strategy very long because it's not the same as playing it with some beers around a table. It's a completely different experience. Um, and in a way, I'd love to go back and just play it a bit more raw because I, for the first few days, I went quite high strategy and then people were just like, this guy's got too much strategy. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you, well, you've already answered my next question, which was... Sorry. No, no. <laughs> I was going to ask if you wanted to be a traitor, but you didn't. Would you agree, though, that the traitors, there's an advantage to being a traitor? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, like, if you, if you accept that either the traitors or the faithful have a 50% chance of winning, then the traitors have a 17% chance of winning and the faithful have a 3% just because of how many there are of each of those things, right? But if you accept the traitors have a bigger than 50% chance of winning because the game actually leads itself well into traitors winning, then it becomes more, more like 25 to 2%. So there really isn't like... There is no advantage of being a faithful. The only way being a faithful is good is if you know when they recruit and then base your strategy around being recruited. But because there's no way to know when they recruit, there is no uh, like game-breaking strategy as a faithful. There's an optimal strategy, but too much of that's chaos for it to really make a big difference. Yeah. So, yeah. We can all agree that if there's a if it's if it's even it's not, but if it's fifty percent traitors, fifty percent faithful in terms of who actually wins, there's only three traitors to begin with. So a traitor seen individually is much more likely to win than a faithful. Yeah. Can you see them changing the rules maybe for future seasons? Do you think they could alter it in any way? I think the the basic mechanics have to stay the same for the show to stay the same. And and the more series there are, they will they will of course divert from those basic rules and I hope they don't dilute the the series by doing that. Having said that, all of the minor things must 
by design change. They'll never do another dinner party scene like the one they did. They'll never have uh, people being on trial again like they did this time. There are dozens of different sort of faithful roles that you can do, like the seer, um, the soothsayer, the doctor, um, the the bodyguard, that that could easily add some really fun new mechanics. Um, There are lots and lots of ways in which you can just adjust the game slightly, but the, the, the kind of the basic faithful versus traitor role, it could change, but I think doing it would probably make the show begin its descent into cancellation yeah now i have some episode specific questions for you so i wanted to ask about episode two that was the episode where you had the mission with the bell ringing so do you have do you have a musical background i do yeah i do like music um so i I was one of those band camp boys, right? I was I was in orchestra. Um, I was the leader of my viola section. Uh, when uh, I was in a choir between, I was a professional singer between the ages of seven and 12 in a cathedral choir with a little cassock and ruff, which you can imagine how um, truly adorable and cherubic that was. Uh, once I uh, got to my teenage years, I was the lead singer in a sort of rock band. Um, I've always done music and all of my friends have come from the ensembles within music that I've played. So I feel very comfortable in a musical space. Um, And so when that task came up, I was like, yes, yes, yes. But actually (laughs) I was really aware during that task that I was being far too kind of confident and bold about my musicianship and was really worried about it. And so you'll notice that like, the episode after that with the the death wheel the the carnival ride i dialed it back because i was like you cannot keep putting your head above that parapet (laughs) like that just chill out um i was i was you know i was conducting with my eyebrows as they were as they were conducting me it was it was watching it back was the most cringeworthy experience of my (laughs) life how annoying was it to hear how confident everyone was that Old Lang Syne was the national anthem. At national anthem, Great Britain. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I mean, that's fine. It's kind of the same, isn't it? In the sense that it's in a major key. Um, sure. Yeah. It's also. Um, they're also both in. Th- no, they're not in three. No, Old Lang Syne is in four. No. Yeah. No. There's no other similarities. Really. Um. That's it. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing mint mobile unlimited premium wireless ready to get 30 30 ready to get 30 ready to get 20 20 20 ready to get 20 20 ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month so give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com i'm sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. In episode three, there was a there was a moment where you seemed really annoyed with yourself after the second round table. You were really frustrated, mm. you know, that, that that you'd all got it wrong again. Mm-hmm. Was that and I don't mean this in a in a cruel way, was that ego or was it guilt or was it a combination of both? Um I don't think it was ego. It was certainly guilt. 
I think the the main thing was was the feeling of guilt, which, as I say, I didn't think I'd take things personally going into the show, but I definitely felt bad getting rid of people. Um, and I wasn't there for that long. I didn't make that many wrong you know, errors. But actually, the third factor you didn't mention there was was play acting. Um, you know, uh-huh. I'm not a great liar, but also it was never my intention to get rid of traitors till about episode seven. So I didn't last that long, but I had no interest getting rid of traitors if they were just going to recruit again. That doesn't do yeah. anything. It just cycles through players. The only interest I had in getting rid of traitors would be that if that made a gap in the traitors, they would recruit me. Um, so, yeah, you have to appear frustrated because you don't want to be the one going, I don't care about catching trailers. It's fine. Do what you want. Like you ha- you obviously have to look like you want to catch them. And I did feel bad about sending home Nikki and Imran. Like that felt really, really bad. Um, I think those are the only two round tables I was in where we sent people home because, th- because there wasn't a round table on day one. And then I, and then I was the victim on day f- four. Um, yeah. yeah, that's right. Isn't it? Um, yeah. But yeah, like, so definitely guilt. I do, I do feel guilt strongly. And, and, and I did feel bad sending those two home. They're lovely people. Um, but equally, yeah, like some of it, some of it was because I wanted to appear frustrated. Um, and, and I, I, I don't know, like maybe you tell me, was I a good liar? Did that, was that, was that, did I, did I egg it too much? No, I thought you were really, really infuriated. I thought you were so <laughs> invested in the game that you just were so angry about it. No, I, yeah, yeah. But I believed it. I believed okay. it. Okay. Oh, nice. Well, good. <laughs> Now, I have some questions about episode four. I have to say, episode four is one of the most talked about episodes of The Traitors. I have uh, a previous guest on the podcast as a guy called David Bloomberg. David is a reality TV expert. He's American. He knows everything there is to know about the show Survivor (laughs) in the States. But he's a Traitors fan now as well. So I had David on to talk about the finale of the US season. David got in touch with me to ask about episode. He knew about episode four of the Traitors UK before he'd seen any of it, uh, so it's it, it made waves. When you that. found out you were on trial in the morning, you mm. got really, uh, you know, you were upset about it. You, what, yeah. what was the foundation of that? So there's a, there's something really personal that I'd like to share with you um, about the feeling that I had that morning. And it was that I was in many ways channeling my mum throughout that entire show. Um, I, I learned to play through my mum uh, all the time that I would spend as a child when I was brought up in Edinburgh and then I moved down to a place called Winchester and I was um, a place called Winchester. I'm sure you've heard of have you, Winchester. <laughs> Do you know Winchester? Where? Um, what? <laughs> Um, uh, and um, throughout my childhood, my mum and I would just play games. And I don't know whether it was because she recognised that I liked them or because both she and I were very playful, but we used it throughout my childhood to sort of help get through the day. So everything was a game. Um, We would be playing games at the bus stop. We would be doing word games, playing with words, often memory things. Uh, number things, um, role play things. Uh, and so when I applied to the show, I did so because I had lost my mum uh, about a year and a half before that, after a, a lengthy a battle with cancer. And I felt like the best way to celebrate her was to show how willing I was to play and how attached I was and in touch I was with my playful side in the show. And as soon as this happened this 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 on trial accused tom stands up points his finger at me sort of shows his aggressive side 
I just felt this incredible, intense morning, <laughs> which was really, really strange. And I, I think the links are there, right? You, you can, you really can, if you if you look hard enough, see why I'd feel like that. But explaining it now. It doesn't necessarily make sense, except that she was forefront of my mind the entire time I was there. Um, So I just really felt the presence of my mum, not in a sort of like ghosty way. I don't necessarily believe in the afterlife, but just like in the sense that I would need to play. I would need to like hyper play this game on that day. So what you saw when I was, my face was all crumply in the, um, the diary room, the MIV, whatever you want to call it was me having a big old proper belly cry about my mum. And I was, my mind was on the fact that I was like slipping down this big chair. And I was like, I, I have always been a little wriggly kid. I, I could never sit still. And every time I sat on my mum's lap, I'd kind of wriggle off and slide down. And like, that was, it was such, and I remember doing that. I'd be like, this is what I do. This is me. And like, <laughs> it's, it's, in a way, I'm glad they didn't show any of that. But in another way, like that was so central in my mind. And then I had this, um, what I thought was a realization. I was like, oh, we're on trial. That means we're like on probation as being a traitor. They're going to murder one and they're going to recruit another. And I'm going to be the one they recruit. So I spent the <laughs> entire day being like, I'm a traitor. I'm a traitor. This is me being a traitor. So I was like, I was so, I was role playing being a traitor during that day. And I was like, on the cusp of a big, big cry every second of that day. Even during that task, you can see like red eyes. It was, I, I recruited Tom to be on the team of my things. I was like, this is, this is fun. This is what I do. Keep your enemies close. Like everything I did that entire day was I was trying to be the most traitorous person I could. But at the same time, I was just like in full play mode. I was just like, channel my mum, be my mum. And for that reason, it was an incredibly emotional day. Yeah. Um, but maybe one of my favorite days of my entire life. That makes sense. And thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Um, it's fine. <laughs> something else that happened immediately after this idea of the trial came up is that you suggested that Alex or John must be a traitor. And even at the round table, that theory seemed to stick, you know, that one of you must be a traitor. Why were you so certain about that? I was thinking about what I would do if I were in Traitor's Tower doing that trial thing. And I, like, erroneously, like, this was definitely wrong. I had reasoned that one of the traitors would try to exonerate themselves by getting on trial, not being voted out, um, and then obviously not being murdered and be like, cool, great, that means I'm faithful, right? Um, I just felt like it's something a traitor would do. And they considered it. And actually, I think Will offered to put himself on trial and they were like, don't be stupid. Don't yeah, do that. Yeah. They'll, they'll think that. And I did think that, which, which <laughs> definitely shows like they were one step ahead, which they did great. They did really great that day. Um, in truth, I hadn't actually, I had fully discounted the fact that John was a traitor and I hadn't really considered Alex. I think Alex is on my maybes list. Uh, I hadn't considered her until that morning. And then I was like, oh, it all makes sense. And also it would be good for me to go for someone because as we know, defending yourself doesn't work. You've got to attack someone else in this game. So I was like, well, we're all being looked at today. So let me just go for someone else. Now, I knew that if you get rid of a, one of the three people on trial at the round table, you've got a 50% chance, up from 33, to be murdered that night. But I also knew that John wasn't a traitor. And I also thought I wouldn't get murdered because I was a fairly valuable person to have around if everyone, acu- everyone was thinking it was me. So... 
Tom had accused me that morning of being a traitor. Traitors don't get rid of people who've been accused of being a traitor. So yeah. I thought, go for Alex, who's already in the spotlight, get rid of her, then I won't get murdered. John will get murdered. Definitely going to happen because he's definitely not a traitor and I'll survive another day. And then I could be like, well, that proves I'm a f- faithful, right? Which, of course, it doesn't prove anything. But there we go. So that was my that was my tactic. That was my strategy. And I'd hoped also that I would then be recruited. Yeah. That's a lot of assumptions I made. And almost all of them were wrong. <laughs> so like, I can say this proudly, but I was way off. Way no. off. As you explain it, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that, okay, I get it. That's a, that's yeah. a great theory. That makes sense to me. Okay. <laughs> now, you just mentioned John. Uh, I have to ask about John. He he comes across as quite aggressive in the program. Is is that the magic of TV tricking us, or or was John difficult to be around? That is the magic of TV. Um, you can take out all of the I'm sorry buts and all of the apologies and all of the retractions and all of the space between yeah. the aggressions, and somebody can seem far more monstrous than they actually were. This is yeah. not to say that the way he spoke to Aaron at that one round table was, was not wrong. It was wrong. And Aaron's response to it was legitimate. And John, I believe, saw the error of his ways and apologised. And the evidence to show that that's true is the fact that when John got murdered, Aaron went, I'll miss that guy. <laughs> now, tell, tell me that that's not Stockholm Syndrome. That's, he's apologised to him and they've made good and they've seen eye, eye to eye and they respect each other and now they've moved on from that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I, I've seen it from both sides, right? I, I have been a reality TV fan for as long as hopefully anyone has and now I've been on one and I've seen both sides and I recognise that personal attacks are easy and you don't think they're real people and even though you know they're real people, you don't think about it when you send that tweet. And it, it was so funny because... I, the traitors ended and then I was watching Apprentice and I wanted to write something really snarky and personal about somebody on The Apprentice. And I was like, hang on, that's like literally what I've been slagging people off about in the private chats for the last yeah. couple of weeks. And I didn't do it. And I felt great about not doing it. I was like, ah, oh, that would have been quite a, quite a funny, sassy tweet, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, and like, yeah, you just don't, you just don't think about it. But no, do you know what? I, I don't, I haven't hung around with John for a while, but every time I speak to him, he's lovely. Uh, I respect him. And I think that it is so easy to demonize someone based on their portrayal on TV. We were there for 24 hours every day. The cameras were rolling, multiple cameras every day on everyone. So there's hundreds of hours of footage from every single day and you see one. And that's all you need to know. Yeah, sure. You've hinted at this a little bit then. So at the round table, you suggest that Alex is a traitor. Mm Mm-hmm. I think you've already answered this. Were you actually certain she was a traitor or was that a tactic to save yourself? Fully, fully self-preservation. The only person I was certain was a traitor at that point was Amanda. The other two people I believed were. In fact, I thought there were four traitors and I was pretty certain about Amanda, Andrea and Matt. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) uh, even a stop clock, right? Um, I had on that day big suspicions about Wilf and um, Alyssa because they had had big cries after the red breakfast and I couldn't work out why. They hadn't really been involved in that particularly and they'd both had big cries and I think they were probably guilt cries. Yeah. So on that day, I had mentioned to Theo that he should watch out for those two and if I go, mark his card, like that's something. But if I'm really honest, I hadn't been watching them until that day. If I'd stayed for longer, I probably would have acted on that. I didn't, Alex was definitely on a maybes list, which is exactly where um, Wilf was for me until that day. I had Alyssa marked off as not even someone to look at as a traitor. 
um, until that day, in which at which point she probably would have moved to the maybes. Um, so yeah, no, like I was way off. I mean, I knew it was Amanda from the first second, but um, I thought it was Andrea as well. I thought it'd be, I thought it'd be quite funny for them to pick two maternal roles um, because you get rid of one and think not to look at the rest. So I was pretty sure that two of Faye, Amanda, and Andrea would be traitors. I was wrong, um, yeah. and then I also thought it was Matt because I thought he was um, underplaying his strategy. I thought he was a lot cleverer than he was coming across. He is a lot cleverer than he was coming across, but also he was playing it authentically. Um, so, but yeah, no, I, I, I was like with Alex, it was more that she had been under the microscope all day and therefore people had already been thinking about her and mentioning her name. So it just made sense to go for that. Um, yeah. I'm surprised to hear you say that you were sure Amanda was the traitor because, you know, a lot of the talk from viewers is Amanda, oh, Amanda was such a great traitor. No one, no one has a clue. Why did you think it was her? Well, the first thing to say is that you only see the main one or two theories each episode that lead to the roundtable drama. Everybody had their own theories. It's just that you'd be an idiot to share them, right? I mean, I had loads of theories. I didn't say them to anyone. Why do I want to stick my head above the parapet? No, thanks. Um, From the second that we all took our blindfolds off, Amanda's demeanor changed. I'd been with her the entire train journey and the first day, and we'd grown quite close that first day, so I knew what she was like. Blindfolds came off and she put her glasses on. Now, she needs her glasses to see, but she hadn't had them on all day. And we were still mm-hmm. on TV. So I was like, well, why are they on now? Is this like a subconscious shielding thing? Okay. She did temple hands. She drew back. And then she spent the entire next 24 hours saying, well, maybe there are no traitors. Have you ever thought about that? There aren't any traitors at all. And I was like, well, yeah, that's because you're one. Um, so it was like, it was plain to see for me. But then again, it was also plain to see that Andrea was one, so I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Amanda also fooled us a little bit during voting. I feel Mm. like she she sort of deliberately held off. She she suggested that she was about to vote for Alex and then at the last minute switches and she turns over the slate and it's you. I mean, for a moment, did you think you'd escaped banishment? Um, I can't remember. If I'm honest, <laughs> I, th- I think I probably had figured it out by that point that the numbers weren't going to go in my favor. But yeah, the way she's like, I can't believe you did that. I can't, whatever she said, I can't, I'm not going to forgive you for that kind of thing. Like yeah. she took that moment to maybe set up the next person to go home. I think that's probably what she thought she was doing. Um, right to the end. The one I remember when the person voted for me thinking, ah, that's it, I'm going home, was actually Meryl. When Meryl turned her her board around and said, Ivan, I think I went, okay, that's me, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Um, And from that point, I think I was pretty certain it was me. Um, Unlike you guys, I didn't have to wait a day or even a weekend. Was it a weekend you had to wait to find out? Oh no, it was just a day, it wasn't a weekend. Episode four was on a Tuesday. Yeah, no, you had to wait a day. I had to wait about 10 minutes and it was pretty difficult. (laughs) I did a lot of sweating. Why? Do you think you were banished? Why Why did everybody go for you? Well, I think Tom did a really, really good play. He convinced everyone because he's incredibly charismatic and incredibly clever and he knew what to say. Yeah. Um, this isn't to say that I'm angry with Tom, but it, I'd be lying if I wasn't saying he was responsible. <laughs> but that's fine. That's the game. Like, that it was brilliant. Like, when he showed his hand that morning and was like, this is what I'm doing. Here's who I'm gunning for. Um, I knew it was... A, actually, most of the day, I thought he was gunning for Hannah, interestingly, because he came out and accused me and Hannah. And he even said, and you see it on the show, vote for Hannah. And I was like, but she's not a traitor. Um, if I was really, really in for self-preservation, I probably would have gone with him and voted for him. But what I would have done there is given him the 
initiative. And I couldn't do that. But he did take the initiative with everyone else. He put together some some arguments. They weren't logical. And I did answer to all of them and explained everything he, he said and gave my answer to everything he said. But in the end, reasoning is not what makes what what, what, what works in, on the roundtable. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is effective is charisma. And that man has it in absolute oodles. He knows exactly how to portray what he has to say. He knows exactly how to make people believe in him. Uh, and he did. It was his one big gambit. And if he'd got it right, he'd have ridden that success all the way to the final, like Wilf did with Alyssa in episode six. So all you've got to do is look at Wilf and see that it doesn't take much for people to fully trust you. If he'd got rid of me on day four, he would have been fully trusted. It was a brilliant gamble. It was completely worth it for him to go for me. Even though I wasn't a traitor, it was a it was a worthy gamble for him to do. And I think he knew, based on what he'd done for the first three days, that he had enough people trusting his intuitions that he could get one person out for free. And that person was me. Um, So, yeah, no, there is only one answer to this. The reason why I went out was Tom. But I still think it was bloody brilliant play. He did great. So that suggests you think he really believed you were a traitor he wasn't just doing it to protect alex yeah no this is interesting isn't it because i think he was doing it to protect alex but but i do think he he thought it was me like i I, there has been some in two conversations i've had with him there's one where he's like no i thought it was you the whole time and one where he's like no i'd started to think it was you so i don't know exactly (laughs) which is true and to be fair we've gone over the whole situation so many times since that none of us really remember what happens we just it's like douglas adams and the hitchhiker's guide right all you remember is your story about how it came to be rather than actually how it came to be so i don't truly know how much he believed it was me but he perhaps that doesn't matter because he played it as if he knew it was me and that's all that mattered yeah i have a couple of questions from other people one again you probably just answered this but maybe you could remind us this is a question from dirk and dirk is a faithful from the australian traitors hello dirk wants me to ask you when was the moment you knew you couldn't plead your innocence you know was there a moment it was all over i guess maybe you just said when meryl voted for you well by that point it was too late because the votes were revealed um there was a point um in the round table when I stopped trying to accuse Alex and just started to threaten Tom's career. <laughs> and like, yeah, it was a funny moment and everyone everyone was like gasping and whatever and looking at me. But I realised at that point that I'd lost I'd lost the plot. I'd, I'd tried to answer for every accusation he'd made of me, you know, my fidgeting, my kind of like obvious turning when someone said faithful, it's like, ooh, you know. Um, I tried to sort of answer for all of that and talk about my affectations and about my self-awareness and like the fact that I didn't really know how to behave as a faithful, so therefore why would I behave, you know, all, all that stuff. That wasn't enough. I'd also tried to accuse Alex, but didn't really have a lot of reasons to accuse her. And... After all of that, he still carried on going for me. And all I could do was insult his career. And at that point, I was like, I've got nothing. I, I could, I, I didn't even, th- it was so far, I didn't even think to, to like run everyone through my Amanda theories. <laughs> and, you know, like even though these, these round tables last for, I don't know, weeks, like they feel like they go on for hours and hours and hours. Even though that happened, I still, when it all stopped and Claudia was like, right, that's enough. I still didn't feel like I'd said everything I needed to say. Yeah. So I felt, I did feel quite powerless. I felt quite kind of like, yeah, I didn't do my best. I feel, you know, I've spoken to Ryan recently who, you know, Ryan's, Ryan's round table when he was eliminated was, was, was an absolute shambles because he did everything he could to, to, to defend himself and it still wasn't enough. Yeah. So you don't know going into this round table what you need to do 
to get get people's names off your off their board, get your name off people's boards. But whatever I did didn't work. And there was just yeah. this feeling of everyone looking at me. And there's like, you know, your, the blood just like drains from your face. Dirk, you'll know this feeling, right? <laughs> Hang on, did Dirk get murdered or banished? Dirk was banished, I'm there sure. There we go. So, so you'll know this feeling, which is just like, oh no, everyone keeps looking at me. They're writing, they're, they're looking at their little board and they're looking at me and it's like, I want, they're just thinking how to spell my name. They're wondering what creative spelling they can use for my name. You know? <laughs> and, and by that point I was like, yeah, no, we're done. We're done. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's, let's think of an exit line. <laughs> <laughs> a question from Andy Rutherford. Andy is a creative writer, podcaster, big game expert. Oh, Andy hi, has, Andy. he's co-hosted two episodes of the podcast with me. He nice. wanted me to ask you this. He says your final quote before leaving was awesome. Did you come up with it on the spot? Did you have any other lines prepared? It seemed so perfect for a writer to end it that way. <laughs> I did. I did. Um, it was on my mind through the whole day because this kind of, you know, the idea of a magician flubbing his final trick was was hilarious to me. So <laughs> I had been toying with this concept and I'd even mentioned it to Tom. Like, I remember saying to Tom, like, I just got this image in my head of, like, this magician and he set up this perfect trick. And this wasn't in the round table, obviously. And, and, and then he just drops all the cards. And, like, Tom was like, huh, right, yeah. Huh. Um, <laughs> so when it came to that moment, as I said, like, I was fully aware that people were looking at me. I was fully aware that Tom was accusing me. And while not a single other person was saying, yeah, Ivan, that is a bit dodge, like, they were all listening to him. So when it came to the time when we all stopped talking and we all started scribbling on our little boards, um, I was fully aware that it was at least 50% chance me. And yeah, like, I won't lie. I thought about the exact wording of that sentence. I, pl I planned it out. I did have another line as well. My other line was, this is not Claudia's best friend race, right? Because I just, I just felt like that was quite... But like, you can't, you can't mix and match. You go, with, you go with one extended metaphor and you stick with it. I was like, how many magic metaphors can I stick in this bloody line? So yeah. I went for it. And actually there was a lot more to it as well. Like, I, you know, I, I didn't go on, but like, I, you know, I held, I held the floor for a bit. Um, and it felt fantastic. Um, not because I wanted to hurt the man. Like, I love Tom. He's amazing. But like, I just, I needed to end with something. And I do feel sorry for people who were murdered and didn't get the chance to stand there and say something because I feel like it's, it's your final, it's not a victory. You've been, you've been done, you're out, you've lost. But it's like, it's just a little bit of sour grapes standing there and proving them wrong. Um, and it's been, so, you, know, you know, I'm not, again, no spoilers, but having watched the US show and the Dutch show and the Australian show, like, those are some of the best moments of the entire series when people get yeah. to stand there and with a smile on their face be like, nah, <laughs> that's what it felt like. As a fellow writer, I am here for an extended metaphor any day, so <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> when did you then actually find out who the traitors were and whether your theories were correct or not? It was a few days. Um, so there was a while when I was stuck in my, um, lodgings, uh, and then I eventually got to go home and I went on a, a big walk. Um, the intensity had been a lot, a lot. And I, as I say, I live in Cornwall, like I'm quite used to kind of quiet and I felt weird. So I got home, packed a bag. I think I slept a single night and then I just 
went on a train and just hiked across Dartmoor and I had no signal. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't, I know there was a WhatsApp group, a burgeoning WhatsApp group that I was a part of, but I was like, right, see you later guys. I'm walking now. And I just, I just did some wild camping because it's the only place in England that you can wild camp. You can wild camp in Scotland. Um, and I hiked and halfway across, I got food poisoning. Um, I ate a dodgy chicken sausage. Let's just say that. Um, and I, I had this like weirdly delirious night where I was camping under a tree and the tree was, um, it sounded like there was a river nearby, but there was no river nearby. And I eventually at some point in the night realized the tree was buzzing and I, there were like wasps in the tree. And I think it probably was that actually, because you know, there are some like parasitic wasps that live inside bark or whatever. But I was like obsessed all this weird night with the idea of like, there are wasps in the tree. There are like, and it was like, it was related to the traitors in some way. It was like, there are wasps here. Like, and then I woke up vomiting and I was weak and like shivering and pale oh. and like sweaty all over. And I was in the middle of nowhere. I had to hike seven miles to the nearest road. And then I had to hitchhike back to the nearest town, which took me like, I think I woke up at like six. So I was awake the whole night, but I got up at like six. It took me like four hours to walk about seven miles while I could, I could barely walk. I was staggering, got to this road and I was like, okay, it's catching up with me. The exhaustion, the the burnout, like whatever. Um, and I eventually hitchhiked home. Uh, I got in through the door. I basically went to bed and didn't wake up for about three days. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up. Uh, and Amanda had, had been eliminated and had joined the WhatsApp group. Uh, I guess Alyssa had been out before that. Um, and Amanda was there just like, sh- 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 like sharing all the goss. I was like, it's, oh, I'm back again. Um, and I kind of awoke from this, like, um, from this weird sweaty frenzy to know what had happened in the last five days. I see. Um, that's a weird story. I don't know why I said any of that. The answer is, <laughs> I, the answer is the WhatsApp group, I guess. Okay. As someone who loves games then, which yeah. mission that you didn't get to take part in, do you wish you had been able to do? Ooh, fun. I mean, the escape room looked great. Um, I, I fancy doing that little bridge. The, you know the bridge where they're shuffling along and there's like they're blindfolded on a bridge? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that looked fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to jump out of a helicopter someday, but also I don't like swimming very much, so I don't think I would have enjoyed that very much. Okay. Um, the barrels looked fun. Did you like the barrels? I, I did like the barrels, although I've come up with my own uh, game theory about the barrels. If I knew that there were going to be other barrels along the way, which they do know, I wouldn't bother pushing the first one. I would just walk most of the way and like halfway along, then start picking up barrels because they, they push That's the first barrel and they, they, then they just abandon them and change them. A waste of energy. Walk, walk most of it pick up some barrels at the end you need to be on series two and you need to demand (laughs) you need to find fergus and be like fergus get in here barrels and then you know exactly how to do it and yeah yeah, i'd I'd win that challenge Mm -hmm. another couple of questions from twitter alan asks uh have your perceptions changed on some of the faithfuls or traitors now that you've watched the show hey alan um not really no i mean Obviously, the only thing we didn't get to see was the Traitor's Tower, um, and I enjoyed watching that. But it didn't change my opinions about any of the people. I mean, I was like, I was very impressed with the way Alyssa kept two identities going. Whereas I think Amanda and Will basically played the same character in and out of Traitor's Tower. I think Alyssa had two separate personalities going on, which was massively impressive. I don't think anything anyone like showed a different side of themselves on the TV that I didn't see because we saw a lot and we all talked all the time. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I was just proud of everyone. I was just watching it being like, you guys did great. This was great. I loved you guys. Um, I just generally <laughs> feel like a huge, a huge sense of pride and belonging. Alan asks uh, another another sort of a two-parter. He okay. asks, would you do it again with reality show stars in the mix, like the USA version? And if so, which celebrities would you like to see in the castle? <laughs> Hello again, Alan. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really care who is in the castle. I don't really. I'm not really bothered about celebrities too much. Um, although recently, in uh, I was walking through Paddington, and this guy was smiling at me, and I was like, "Oh, here we go." And then I sort of smiled back, and then it was Matt Lucas, and I was like, "What?" Um, <laughs> and I sort of didn't speak to him, but I was just like, "That was fun." Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I do it again. I do it again. I love this game. It's great. I. I kind of don't... I can give or take the TV thing. Um, my life has basically returned to normal, which I love. Like, I'm doing more games conventions and, um, you know, people are buying copies of my books, which is amazing. But I don't... I don't think anything's changed. Obviously, at the time, during the show, like all you had to do was put, like, hi in a tweet and it'd get 500 likes, whereas now it's basically back to where it was, <laughs> um, which is fine, by the way. That's good. That's fine. I'm very, very happy with my lot. I like my life. Um, so the only reason I do it again is for the game. And, yeah, I I have since, since being on the show, I've played this game plenty of times. I'll play it again in a castle. That's great with free food and, you know, that's that's all cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, don't do not care who else is in the castle. Whoever it is, I will be trying to figure out who I can connect with, who I can um, align with, who I can uh, you know scrape for hints and clues. Uh, it doesn't yeah. really matter who it is. Yeah. A final question. Uh, I asked Nikki from the traitors this question as well. What single piece of advice would you give someone who's about to start playing the traitors as a faithful? Ooh. Um. Blend in. Okay. Like, I think I think it really, it really doesn't matter if you find out who the traitors are or not, right? Because what are the traitors like? They like if you befriend them. They like if people think it's you. Um, what don't they like? They like don't like somebody who's thinking too hard. <laughs> Blend in. Mm -hmm. um, enjoy the experience. Don't work too hard trying to find the traitors. The numbers are in your favour only in the last three episodes. Just try to survive. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah. Survive right out as far as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then you can start <laughs> hunting yeah. the traitors. <laughs> exactly. Ivan, we're almost at the end. Before we conduct our own banishment and conclude our game, The Trainer mm. Traitor, can you tell us where we can find you on social media? And is there anything else we should check out online? Anything else you want us to know about? Sure, yeah. I'm on uh, at Ivan Brett on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Spadger's Hat on, um, uh, what do they call it, TikTok. Uh, I've started doing some streams as well. Um, I think that's also called Spadger's Hat. It's on um, Twitch. But you can just find one of those and you'll find links to all the others. Uh, I do a podcast with Ryan and Wilf from the UK show called It's Just a Game. Um, right now we're breaking down the US series of The Traitors, but we are also going to go through all the other upcoming reality shows this year. There's a glut of reality shows and we are going to uh, break down a lot of it. Um, but so far it's basically just been us talking about Fergus we're kind of it's basically a Fergus <laughs> fan cast right now um, I'm also uh, I'm running the London Marathon and I'm raising money for Samaritans um, I am of the age um, which is one of the most vulnerable 
um, sort of suicide sort of sections of society in, in, in of all of us, which is sort of men in their middle ages. Uh, and it's become very, for various reasons I don't want to go into, it's become very, um, I've become very aware of the fact that this is something we need to raise awareness for. So uh, the very least you can do is check out what the Samaritans do and uh, it's, you know, familiarize yourself with the resources that they offer for free. But the very most you can do is check out my social media and I will give a link to, um, I don't even know what it'll be right now. I literally found out today, but at some point in the next week or so, I'm going to get a link up there to sponsor me to run the marathon. Uh, I might do it in a traitor's cloak. Who knows? It's going to be fun. <laughs> I'll share that link as well um, in the episode show notes and uh, that's that's great that you're doing it for the Samaritans it's uh, really really important now it's time for our Ooh. mini round table we've been playing a game we've been playing the trade our traitor ah. I told you a lie Ivan did you tell me a lie yeah did you tell me more than one lie yeah <laughs> 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 okay that's that's good and that goes in my favor that means if i guess one i've got more of a chance yeah um, i wasn't sure the first one was enough of a lie that's why <laughs> oh it's a clue it's a clue i can't remember i can't remember anything you said matt i've got i literally don't remember a single thing you said in the entire not not that it wasn't memorable i just I, now i'm thinking about it i remember that you like i mean okay i've got yeah i got it i got it i got it okay uh well i'll get i'll give you time to think i'm gonna give mm-hmm. you my theories right sure i have i have a few mm-hmm but also think you're really good at games. And I think that my most obvious guess will not be the right answer because you're probably so good at this. You deliberately made me think it was a lie and it wasn't a lie. So I'm going to tell you what I first thought it was, but this isn't my guess. This isn't my guess. Okay. At first I thought it was that you applied to be on the circle, but yeah. now I think that was too obvious. And that's not my guess. I'm just putting it out there. I think your lie was that you lived in Edinburgh for a while. Is that right? Well, I did attempt to make you think that I hadn't applied for the circle. (laughs) And I'm very impressed that you didn't fall for that delicious biscuit. I thought you hesitated too much when you said it. And I really I thought, did. I did. I, I sort of got I got stuck on the hesitation, but it was an intentional hesitation. So first of all, well done. But I'm really sorry to say this. Uh, I was born in Edinburgh and lived there man. for the first five years of my life. And I don't know if you uh, actually think this is a good Edinburgh <laughs> accent, but sometimes <laughs> I can just switch into it. And when I played for the show, they said, what's the best lie you've told? And I said, uh, I used to sit in a Bristol pub um, and I used to pretend I was Scottish uh, during freshers. <laughs> and I just have whole evenings where I just speak in a Scottish accent. And then I'd go home and feel super guilty about it because I'm not Scottish, but I just thought it was quite a fun game to play. I mean, that is a pretty good Scottish accent. I'm really impressed. <laughs> it's not bad, right? It's okay. <laughs> it's not perfect, but it's all right. Yeah, I've I've heard I've heard real Scottish people with weirder accents than that. So that's you're not doing. <laughs> you're calling it weird, mate. Um, I told two lies. I told two lies. Uh, the first one is that my favourite board game is Settlers of Catan, not Carcassonne. Though I do like Carcassonne. And the second one is that I found out who the traitors were from Alyssa, not Amanda. Ah, okay, okay. Sorry. Okay. Uh, any idea what I lied about? Is the guy is the guy who asked the question not actually a co-host of the show? That uh, is true. No, uh, oh, Andy's, okay. Andy's been on two episodes with me. All right, doing episodes. Then I I don't know. I wasn't. I, I'm afraid I was. I trust you too much. What was it? Okay, mate? it was very early on. It was 
I, I thought I had to I had to had to be a good one to trick you. So it was very small. It was incredibly subtle. And actually it was about the same thing you lied about. Board games. I've never played Carcassonne in Ooh. my life. And I said that it was one of my favourites and it was great. I've never I didn't even it. question that, mate. Yeah. Brilliant stuff. <laughs> Brilliant lying. Wow. Wow. I don't trust you anymore. You've really, you, oh, you've really turned on me, actually, man. Yeah. I, don't, I don't trust um, yeah, you. Good either. one. Good. It's, you, know what? You, you should. We, we, we should play. It's a great game. It's so yeah. lovely. It's nice with like a like a French a, a dark French red. Do you know what I mean? And a fire. And because what you're doing is you're building little French walled cities yeah. in in southern France. It's a lovely game. Ivan, thanks so much for talking to me today. It's been really exciting to have a chat with you. We'll keep up with you online. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Oh, thanks, man. This has been fun. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, Trader listeners. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ivan. He was so lovely. We had such a great chat. And there was even more we talked about that I couldn't fit into the episode. Check out the show notes in your podcast player for links to Ivan's social media accounts, which he spoke about, and the Samaritans, which he spoke about as well. Another reminder, I'm going to be speaking to Angelica from the Traitors US, and I'm going to be speaking from Faye from the Traitors UK very soon. If you have questions for them, send them my way. You can get in touch on Twitter at the Pod, or Instagram at the Podcast, or you can email the Podcast at gmail.com. It would also be fantastic if you could subscribe to the podcast on the platform you're using. And even better, please leave a review. The more reviews and subscribers, the more easily other fans of the Traitors will be able to find the podcast. I'll be back with episode 6 very soon and I can't wait for you to hear it. Until then, stay faithful. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.